It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. Welcome everybody back to the Believe in NXT podcast. Like always, your host Jacob Lawrence right here. My boy Cedric Welton's running shotgun with me. And you know, this is the third time you're hearing our voice this week. And you're like, damn, what are y'all trying to talk WrestleMania week? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we're just feeling generous this week because we decided to come and give you guys a special episode. Be very, very little actual NXT talk on this episode. We figured, hey, Money in the Bank is coming up this Sunday. So why not bust you over the head with our third episode this week and give you a little preview of Money in the Bank because you already got an episode with Andre as hell on Tuesday. You got the NXT preview like usual on Wednesday. And here we are now with a Money in the Bank preview, and you're still going to get that Saturday morning audio dope from us. So this right here proves why we are the podcast tag team champs. And in case you didn't know that, now you know. So make sure you do us a favor before we have to come over to your show and hand out the smoke. Just follow us on Twitter. I'm at underscore Jdella. Said is at said underscore says. That's C-E-double-D underscore S-A-Y-S. And the network that allows us to come here multiple times a week, do what we do best. Believe Podcast. They are at Believe Podcast. Believe is spelled B-L-E-A-V. In case you didn't know, they are the number one network. Uh, that, that, that. Anyway, number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? There we go. That's the tagline. Sid, how you doing? Solid, solid. I'm excited to talk about money in the bank. Of course, still quarantine. Of course, still in the same spot. But like Jacob said, we're giving you some extra content because this is actually going to be a pretty big sports weekend. And we know sports fans have been clamoring to get the economy open back up. But you can sit back because you got not only money in the bank on Sunday, but you got UFC 249 on Saturday. So you can sit back in your homes and get ready to watch all this content. Of course, you can watch Last Dance like all of us as well. But we're going to decide money in the bank in a different fashion this year as it's hosted in the company headquarters, which is a little bit obscene. Um, (laughs) So we're going to talk about that and some of the other matches that should kind of keep you on the editor's seat, and you might actually hear some spoilers from us. Maybe. Actually, it's not a spoiler. Well, it is a spoiler because our predictions are just that good. To quote Paul Heyman, it's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. And so, you know, also, I'm glad you mentioned The Last Dance because if Money in the Bank is still on TV when The Last Dance airs at 9 o'clock for me, I'm cu- I'm cutting money in the bank off. I'm sorry. It, wow. you know, it's getting cut off or it's getting moved to the iPad. Wow. That is, oh, huh? Don't act like you won't do the same thing. I I can't say I wouldn't, but I DVR the last dance every uh Sunday. But it is fun. It is it is more enjoyable to live tweet with everyone else. I will say that. Exactly. You gotta watch it with the family, man. And what are we on, episode seven and eight now? Yes, seven and eight. Oh, we're getting so close to the end. Oh, 
oh, it breaks my heart because this has been quality TV for the past three weeks. Really has. Such Sunday has kind of become. If if you, if you guys remember, I don't know the uh, age range of our listeners. If you're familiar with uh, TGIF from back in the day, man, that's what Sundays feel like now. <laughs> and they want to hold this to June on us. Like, come on, primetime television on Sunday. You got some WWE, Last Dance. If you're an insecure fan, got that too. It's just all wrapped up in one. Yeah, you got a nice little dose of everything. So, yeah. So, we're here to talk about Money in the Bank, though. But before we dive into that, if you haven't seen The Last Dance, I suggest you pull up your ESPN app and go watch these past few episodes. And I've seen a lot of people complain on Twitter about how it, like, jumps around because the whole premise was the 97-98 season. But I feel like it's perfect because it's setting up the groundwork because you got to get through the playoffs and the finals, and you kind of need the backstory to know how you got to this point of everything in 97 and 98. So I, I have no problem with it. What about you? Zero. Zero. And I, I, I think it's kind of weird to complain about uh, anything that you get on TV at this point. <laughs> you definitely want to be able to have, just enjoy the content. That's where I'm at with everything. Learning about a bunch of things that I probably wasn't privy to before. Yeah, like I was alive for it, but I was like three and four during the first three-peat. And then the second one, you're like eight, ten. Like, I know these things. I remember vividly watching them, but I don't know all these inner workings. And I remember the Jordan Rules book. I read it once I got older. But it's nice to actually like see this and see these inside moments that a lot of people weren't privy to. Exactly what it's about. But yeah, that's enough basketball talk. You know, this is the Believe in NXT podcast. We cover pro wrestling of the WWE variety, but every so often we will give you a little hip hop. We'll give you a little MMA. You get a little basketball. You get a little football. And speaking of which, Believe.com, click on shows. We got your NBA teams covered. We got your NFL teams covered. We got the MMA covered. We got it all, baby. It's 200, and let's see how many shows we are at right now. What's your bet? Let's go with 237. 256. Oh, I was lowballing it. Yep, we are sitting at 256 right now. Okay. So, when we say we literally have a show for almost any interest you have, we mean it. 256 of them. So, there you go. If you need something new to listen to during quarantine outside of us, believe.com, click on shows, find everything you're looking for. My personal pick, Wrestling A to Z with wrestling historian Ross Williams. Good show. You should check it out. Might see us over there one day. You never know. Because we'll show up anywhere with any invite. That's all you got to do. Invite us and we'll come. Exactly. But speaking of inviting things and to jump into money in the bank, it's currently four matches right now as we're recording this. I'm sorry. It's six officially listed matches. The men and women's Money in the Bank matches are set to take place at the same time. So technically speaking, you have five matches. 
Technically speaking, yeah. Yeah. And there's always a pre-show because WWE loves to do a pre-show for some reason. And I figure nothing announced for it now, but why not start there? And coming off of this past Monday's Raw, the safe bet for the pre-show match will probably be the Street Profits either defending their title or in a non-title match. Actually, you know, it'll be a title match against the Viking Experience, the Viking Homitage, the Viking Travelers, the Viking Ramsack, the Viking Raiders. That's the name. They keep changing it. Something's got to give there. I mean, they just took a clean <laughs> win over uh, the Street Profits. Street Profits have this big hurdle they're trying to get over. That is the Viking Raiders. Um, I don't see a reason to cool off Street Profits here. The Viking Raiders have already been champions and what was mainly a lackluster run. I If this match does get announced, I see the Street Profits finally uh, conquering that big hurdle, which will lead to – the Viking Raiders going heel. I, I think that's the only thing that makes sense because um, we're kind of void of heel tag teams right now with AOP being out, Murphy and Seth disbanding, going their own separate ways. Of course, you lost the OC um, and other tag teams as well. So, I mean, it just, just makes sense. Yeah, it does. But here's the thing. Like two weeks ago, they did that little comedy bit. Was it a comedy bit, though? What it was like a knockoff carpool karaoke. I I know that they do WWE ride along stuff like that, and I don't know if it was meant to be funny at all. I just think people just tore it apart. <laughs> I think people just are like, yeah, this is stupid, this is garbage, and you guys are getting buried now. Uh, but keep the turkey leg. <laughs> but <laughs> so I mean, I I think the I think Spark said it too. I think the writing was on the wall. Um, soon as they did that little bit, but I think. I don't know what a heel turn looks like for them, but for a couple of characters that fans are literally, I'd say fans really haven't been that invested with them since their call up to the main roster, just because they were really over with the NXT crowd. Um, maybe a heel turn right now isn't the worst thing. Yeah, it's just, I'm trying to think where you mess them up is, well, one, you debuted them. And then you changed their name multiple times in a matter of like three, four weeks. I was going to definitely say it's a name change. And it's like, what were they in NXT? Were they the War Raiders in NXT? War Raiders. So back to the, back to where we were talking about uh, on our NXT podcast, we were talking about them using the word killer and killer cross. It's like you didn't want to use war and war raiders. And it's like, how old are we? Really? I mean, you're pushing your product as family-friendly, so it makes sense. But, yeah, like, you had it, War Raiders, keep it moving, real simple. You could have called them the Raiders. The point is, whatever name you debuted them with, you should have stuck with it. Albeit Twitter and everything else was like, nah, this ain't the Viking experience, ain't it, but you made the bed, you should have just laid in it. Yeah, I mean, you would have had to get them jokes off for some months, I mean, but eventually people would have just, it would have just been another another thing. Yeah, it wouldn't be the worst name on the roster, but yeah. I see the Street Profits finally conquering the mountaintop since they have never been able to beat 
the Viking Raiders at all. I only think they beat them in NXT. So they finally get one with the titles on the line. They hold on to their titles. Maybe Bianca Belair gives them an assist. I don't know. Since they have Bianca as the Prophet's valet, which makes no sense. Like we talked about with Andreas and Sparks, it makes no sense. Like right. get Bianca the hell away from Montez Ford. We understand that's your wife, Montez, but uh, y'all got to split. Like she's too good to be playing valet, and you guys are too good to need a valet because you can talk. Exactly. It's just one. It's one of those things like Naomi uh, with the Usos. It's like, yeah, y'all can come back and get nostalgia with 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 each other like every now and then, but let's not make this a permanent thing. Like, no, like, please don't make this a permanent thing. Like, it's just, you don't need each other. You're better apart. <laughs> just better apart. Keep them separated. But it won't happen for a while. They're, maybe they're just keeping Bianca attached to the Street Profits because they don't want to feed her to Becky. Right. That's my best defense Becky for trying. that. Yeah, that's my best defense is they don't want to feed her to Becky and have her get derailed or eaten up by Becky because they know that everybody would really riot then. So, that's my, that's my only guess. Right. It's the only way I can logically make sense of it because everything mm-hmm. screams just lazy booking otherwise. Mm-hmm. Which we get a lot of that nowadays. I mean, I think that's, I guess that's kind of the state we're in with the current climate and not having your full roster of superstars. But, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you got most of your roster. But yeah, it's you got to figure something out. But, again, this is likely the pre-show match. Maybe you throw Liv Morgan in a random match or Bobby Lashley, but yeah. Or Liv Morgan versus Bobby Lashley. Uh, I put my money on Liv Morgan. Right. Because apparently Bobby struggles with white women. That was the zinger. Um, I'm not going to let Jacob go down that tangent. It's <laughs> way too early in the pod for that. <laughs> So I'm let's let's, state uh, effect. let's let's get back on course here, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, that will probably be your pre-show match, and it will probably be for the Raw Tag Team Titles. I'm taking the Street Profits to retain. If there is a match with Bobby Lashley, maybe they'll throw Titus O'Neil versus, versus Bobby Lashley again, or something of that nature. I think I saw Bobby Lashley win three matches in the gauntlet with a spear. Can we stop normalizing the spear as a finisher, please? To be fair, it works for Bobby. Bobby, it looks like if that speared you, that shit would actually flip you inside and out. Like, it looks like it would hurt coming from him. And you know he, where they went wrong with Bobby Lashley? His finisher, it, sh- it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. It should be a dominator. He had the up. dominator. Should be a dominator. No, but it's not really the dominator. He like throws you on the side or something like that. Just do the dominator. Hit up, hit up Ron Simmons, get permission, do the dominator. That's it. Yeah, like his original run was the dominator. 
there's no reason that shouldn't be his finisher right now. I don't want to see you. I'm just tired of Spears. Tired of it. Uh, let's see. You got Edge. You got Roman. You got Goldberg. And you have Lashley. It's only four people that use it. Charlotte does a spear. Uh, Sometimes Bianca Belair does a spear. All right. So that's six. No, none of them use it as a finisher, though. But it's just the fact that it's, it's overdone. It's overdone now. The roster is – there's too much talent in the roster to be relying on the spear is what I mean. Fair enough. Kind of like the Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody's having fun with that move now, too. Dog. Petey Williams has to be sitting somewhere like, I hate all of you people. Like, that was one of the most devastating moves that basically ended every last match. And now it is just a spot move like a hip toss. Yep. It's a gimmick. Once it's I saw Dustin Rhodes hit it, I was like, I am done with this move. Yeah, when... Fifty-year-old <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Dustin Rhodes hit a Canadian destroyer, and I was like, "Wipe my hands, wipe your hands clean." Just like, did I, did I just see that? Did I, I never, just see that? I don't really? never want to see another one. Like it was already on edge for me when um one of the Lucha Brothers killed one of the Young Bucks with it, and he like popped up two minutes later. I was like, all right, come on, guys. Like, you just got to beat. You just got, you went off a ladder through a table. You just got to stay dead for the match. Like, I don't even need you to sell it for multiple weeks. Just stay dead for the match. Don't pop up two minutes later. But Dustin Rose, the natural with the, the half fact gold dust. You even did it. It was like, yeah. That, no. <laughs> no. Don't need you to do that type of move. No, sir. Like, come on. Like, come on, son. Come on. I've kind of, I'm mad you reminded me of that. I, I like put that way in the back of my memory bank. Kind of forgot about it, huh? Completely forgot about it, Matt. You know what else we forgot about? What did we forget? The, the Forgotten Sons, which leads us to the main card of Money in the Bank. And they're likely, well, I don't First know if transition. they're going to kick. I don't know if they're going to kick the show off with this match, but one of the matches on the show is the SmackDown Tag Team titles being defended by the New Day against Miz and Morrison. Lucha House Party, who apparently they decided to give a TV run with Callisto being out with an injury. And the newly arrived, called up from NXT, Forgotten Sons. So... Actually, I don't know if they'll start the show with this match. I'm I'm gonna air that they I, I think they don't. But this match can go literally one of two ways. The angle here is that the New Day are actually defending the titles in tag team action, in which they won the titles in a singles match, triple threat. Um it's either the, the New Day is gonna retain or Miz and Morrison is gonna win the titles back. Oh, you don't see Lucha House Party getting it? Not, no chance in hell. The fact that the Forgotten Sons are even here is like, wow. This is like the, the, the run they're on right now after defeating the New Day. It's actually more meaningful than anything they've ever done in NXT. So good for them that they're actually being used. 
but they're kind of just they're reaping the benefits of um, Jimmy Uso being hurt Basically. and taking that spot. Um, whereas they're supposed to be the big scary heel tag team, but I think they want to make sure that we stick with the ratings and that we have something entertaining, which is why you can't go wrong with putting the titles on the new day. And I was actually very entertained by Miz and Morrison as well. So I think it's one of those, um, I'm going to say New Day retain, um, just because they literally just gave up, um, just gave up ass to the Forgotten Sons last week, which was weird to see. Um, I don't even know if we can say that on this podcast, so I apologize. But <laughs> if Miz and Morrison win, I, I, won't, I won't feel slighted at all. Oh, Mr. Morrison. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Speaking of which, have you, did you ever see that video that they put out before WrestleMania? Which one? The one Ms. and Morrison did, the rap video. Was it a new one or was it the one from back in the day? Oh, no, it was a new one. I think I did see it. Yeah. I think that's what tuned me on to like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. John Morrison's tag team run. It's just the hey, hey, ho, ho. It's, it's hilarious as hell. It's so corny and cheesy that it works, especially considering their heels. But yeah, New Day just got the titles like three weeks ago. I don't see a reason to pull it off of the New Day. But I know you say Miz and Morrison would be the ones to win it. I think... Vince might have a thing for the Forgotten Sons. That is saying a lot. And I want to call them something else, but I'm not going to say it on air. It yeah, goes, I bet you do. <laughs> it goes back to that theory I had about the kidnapping angle. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to call them. But yeah, I would say the Forgotten Sons. They, mm, the Forgotten Son steal it somehow, some way. I'm assuming that it's going to be the combination of Blake and Cutler. And then yeah. Riker's going to run interference and flatten Big E or Kofi with something. And that allows them to pick up the dub. Mm-hmm. But it ain't Lucha House Party. They're just here to do flippy shit. Which is sad because they they can kind of go, but it's just like mm, okay. Got the luchas here. They're gonna flip off of something, take out everybody. Cool. Yeah, lucha lucha house party really. I think it's just wrong place, wrong time for them. It's because it's not like. You can't take them serious. They had that that really big spot in the elimination chamber, and just hasn't haven't really been able to duplicate anything like that since. Yeah, and it's just this might just be me, but I feel like they lost their most charismatic member in Callisto. Probably. So I just don't see putting the titles on them right now. Maybe one day, but I just don't see it for right now. So I got the Forgotten Sons. Who do you have? Wait, you, you, you got the Forgotten Sons to win the match? Yes, I'm going to wow. painstakingly. Wow. Like I said, Vince has a thing for them, and they beat the New Day in an extremely long match that was pretty good. 
Um, I'm taking New Day to retain. All right. Plus the money's in the chase, so. Yeah. Always in the chase. All right. All right. So we'll keep this down. We'll revisit this briefly next week. But here's another one that I don't think we're going to agree on. And we're just going to stay on the SmackDown side of things. Bailey takes on Tamina with Bailey's SmackDown women's title on the line. This is one of those matches, man, where you talk about titles changing hands and we're staying on SmackDown side. It only makes sense. Bailey has, as Jacob would say, been this chicken shit heel um, ever since her heel turn, relying on Sasha Banks to to be her heater. And it's worked numerous times, even in the um, the, the five-way match a month ago. Um <sighs> It just seems like the writing's on the wall. They took all those people to defeat Tamina. Tamina's been more vocal on social media, on Twitter, even doing different uh, therapy with Tamina shorts that are actually wildly entertaining if you haven't seen them. It seems like she's getting that that push. And it's nothing that I'd say the WWE is doing. She's finally getting her moment to have a singles title match. I think the fans are finally behind, okay, I can get around the idea of Tamina being a champion, and I, I think the Bailey thing has kind of run its course. So for that, I am picking Tamina, and okay. I am astonished that I am. Okay, I want to say Tamina, I really do, but the way I just look at how SmackDown is set up, they keep shoving Lacey Evans down our throat as this white meat all American baby face and I just feel like they want the Southern Belle to be the one to take off Bailey to take it off of Bailey and this is getting a little ahead of ourselves but I don't see Lacey Evans winning money in the bank so Bailey beats Tamina Lacey finds a way to get back in the title picture because they're not going to pull the trigger on Sasha Bailey until we get live crowds back. So maybe SummerSlam, we can properly do this. Interesting. So Sasha interferes, distracts Tamina, takes a super kick for her troubles. Bailey finds a way to steal it. Bailey continues her reign as the longest SmackDown Women's Champ. And we get some more Bailey and her mom haircut doing Bailey things for the next few weeks. Actually, I take that back. That is not a mom haircut. You know what that haircut is? It's a Karen haircut. Wow. <laughs> oh, Bailey doesn't deserve that, man. She might not deserve it, but it's kind of accurate. That's, that's, she doesn't deserve that. <laughs> mm, just saying, though. That is ass out of line, sir. You you can't you can't allow nah. Don't call Bailey a Karen. She didn't deserve that. Bailey don't look like she'd run up and be like, "Can I talk to your manager?" Bailey is a Latina, and we're not going to do that type of Bailey slander. She she don't deserve that. Mm. Not the hugger. 
right. All right. I'll let you have that. All right. So, but you you think you think Bailey's going to continue her reign? So if Bailey continues her reign, what's the end game here? Because she's already longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion. So what? Who's going to? And I get that people want it to be Sasha Banks so bad, but who's going to be the one to take the title off Bailey? Lacey Evans. Oh my God. I thought for sure it was going to be Mania. I was wrong. I'm glad I was wrong. But. Slacey Evans. I can totally see that. But, I mean, I just don't. I don't know if that garners a reaction. It's Lacey Evans. She wins. Everybody hates it. And then you flip her back heel. You might be on to something there. But let's let's assume I don't want to call it the obvious, but what if we never what if we don't get the live crowds back? Like what if it's really sometime and I'm saying like what if what if we get to SummerSlam and there's still no live audiences? Mm. Then you then you have no choice but to experiment, I feel like. I feel like the reason why they haven't jumped out the bando reckless with some of these experiments that you would think they would normally do in this time frame is because in the back of Vince and Hunter and Road Dogs and HBK and Michael P.S. Hayes and Heyman's head, everybody that's calling the shots, I think in the back of their heads, they're like, we'll be good by SummerSlam. Let's stay the course by SummerSlam. That lingering hope. So they're like, we're good. Let's we have SummerSlam in our head. Steadfast to SummerSlam, and I think maybe middle July, because here we sit in the first part of May. So middle of July, two months from now, give or take, one way or the other, things will be different. We'll either be more quarantined or things will be more back to what normal was. But. Sh- I'm assuming middle of July, we should have a clear picture of things. So middle of July, Vince and company, they look around and they're like, we're still taping shows at the PC, no sign of live crowds. All right, let's try something different. Let's just see if we can catch something, catch lightning in the bottle, see how social media reacts. Mm-hmm. Or if they're like, oh, okay, crowds are starting to come back. We're running smaller arenas right now with more space. Like we're doing live crowds at full sale. We're making things look full. You know, we we can keep pushing. SummerSlam will be like our big grand reopening. We're good. Let's stick to these original plans. But if it's a bunch of PC shows, then yeah, don't be surprised if they give like a Mandy Rose a title shot or a title run. I mean, I I think Mandy Rose should have been in Money in the Bank, if we're being honest. Um, I think that's one of the people that eventually can get over if she was heel or babyface either way um but like we talked about taking chances and just going ahead and kicking the tires or something I, I, that's why i'm thinking tamina i think what why not now with putting like a belt on tamina with no audiences and just seeing what happens 
Yeah. That yeah. really was the worst that could happen. This is true. This is true. They've already painted her to be this this monster, this this force and whatnot. It's like, okay, well, she finally gets her moment to shine. I think that happens at Money in the Bank. All right. I'm still saying Bailey, but I see the Tamina argument. She's been around forever. Tamina's like natty. Like at some point you have to give her her due and just give her a run. Mm-hmm. And like Natty's, they, been, Natty's been a champion before. That's what I'm saying. With Natty, and which is why we still see Natty every so often because Natty's a solid hand. And it's like, all right, you know, Natty, let's pay you for your loyalty because Natty and Tamina, to a lesser extent, were that bridge from that Divas era to what we're in now. <clears throat> so, yeah, I can see Tamina winning. My money's still on Bailey. Yeah, we'll see. So do you want to stay on the SmackDown side altogether then? Uh, yeah, sure. We six SmackDown. What else we got? We got Braun Strowman defending the Universal Championship against Bray Wyatt. Yes, I said it. Bray Wyatt. There's been no inklings of the Fiend um, throughout this entire feud, which the promo work I've completely enjoyed. I actually like the, the aspect of Bray Wyatt dropping down memory lane with all his feuds and saying, hey, um, you wronged me. I'm going to get you back. And that's what we're doing with, with Braun Strowman, pretty much when he's the black sheep of the Wyatt family. And eventually he uh, veered off and started doing his own thing. And Bray Wyatt has been bringing that up in each promo of the past few weeks on Firefly Funhouse. Now, there's a lot of thoughts on this match, and we talked about this earlier this week. Um, you want to legitimize Braun Strowman since you had him beat Goldberg, which was previously this unstoppable force and, <laughs> uh, I guess that was supposed to be Roman Reigns to have the title, but no, we got Braun Strowman. So you got to make sure that it's not, uh, for lack of better words, they're not going to Sasha Banks, Braun Strowman um, with the title. Wow. And, and, I, and it sucks that that's a thing, but it's, I'm being honest. They're not going to Sasha Banks Strowman with the title. Um, and it's weird that it's going to, you know what? I think this is cool that they're doing this. Cause we saw this once before with the Miz. It was Bray Wyatt to take on the Miz earlier this year, and it wasn't The Fiend. Now, Bray Wyatt went over The Miz in that match for the title, uh, but this is one of those occasions where uh, the Mr. Rogers version of Bray Wyatt could be setting up for something later with The Fiend and for The Fiend to be the one to topple Braun Strowman. So, honestly, I think this is actually going to be a quick match. It's going to be very weird, not – um, Firefly Funhouse match weird, which is kind of cool, but something's going to happen where Braun pretty much nerfs Bray Wyatt and they get into the whole cinematic stuff in the match where we'll tease the Fiend after. So I got Braun Strowman going over. I have Braun winning. And like you said, there's been very little to no mention of the Fiend. And the key thing to emphasize here is that this match is billed as Braun versus Bray Wyatt. The graphic has Bray Wyatt, not the Fiend Bray Wyatt, not the Fiend. So, yeah, that leads you to believe that Braun should win. I expect Braun to win. I don't think that they, you know, finally decided to put the title on Braun because Roman was like, screw you guys, I'm going home to my family because my health matters more and my wife is pregnant with twins. So, I don't think they put that on Braun just to have Braun drop it in a month. 
Right. And no knock on Bray, but not to have Braun drop it to regular Bray and not the Fiend. Like if this was the Fiend, I'd be like, yep, that's gonna be quick. That's gonna be ugly. Thanks for coming, Braun. Hope you enjoy being the big show. Wow. So yeah, I think this will still be a good little lengthy matchup. I say Braun wins. But the lights go out. And then he shows up. Which would be interesting because I think you have to have some type of cinematic style match to do that because that wardrobe change ain't happening that fast. Well, you're right to an extent. Unless you have somebody else dressed like the fiend, which I don't know how you emulate those tattoos and whatnot. Yes, but I say ain't nobody else built like Bray. Not even his brother. So that, yeah. Um and they are saying this is live, right? Yeah, I think they are. So I think I think it's gonna be one of those things like where you remember in the Firefly Funhouse match when uh Cena thought he had uh Bray Wyatt pinned and he just disappeared. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be something like that. Braun's gonna get a pin, and the lights gonna go out. And he's gonna disappear, and somehow come back as the Fiend and attack Braun. Yeah, actually, you know what? Even though this is quote unquote live, I still see WWE taping some of this, and this is how you can pull something like that off. Mm-hmm. It's just like when Bray took on the Miz and Bray won. And then the thing just popped up on the TV screen. Like, yeah, we clearly know they recorded that bit earlier in the day, but still. I see that. It's not that difficult. And it's really not that difficult of a wardrobe change. Like, Breaker, have the Fiend pants on underneath. He could have the shirt on. I already have the boots on. All you got to do is cut the lights out, put a mask on, and rip off your top layer of clothing. It's not like you're going from dust and rose to gold dust. That that takes some time. Yeah, it's true. So, but yeah, Braun wins. You let this continue through the summer. Maybe we build a Summer Slam where you get the thing finally shows up. Like, you get the promos, and Bray's like, I got it, guys. I got it. I I just need one more shot. Like, I got it. Loses again. I got it. I know he's coming. I know he's not happy. Like, I feel like this is like a reset on the Fiend character of how he should have been, where it's you get Mr. Rogers, Bray, and then he keeps screwing up, doesn't get the job done, and the puppets are like, hey, he's upset. And Bray's like, I know. Just give me some time. And then finally the fiend just shows up and like nurse Braun is like, Yeah, it's my time now. Yeah, they gotta build it. They gotta build it. A lot of people are unhappy with this feud because they feel like it's happening too soon. But I think they know what they're doing. I think they're gonna let this cook for a while and still play on the the history between both superstars. Also, who, who 
Who's left on SmackDown to challenge him? Yeah, that's another thing you got to look at. It's like everybody's kind of gone. I know they were kind of teasing the whole Nakamura thing for a little bit. I mean, that would be fun, I guess, at times. But, I mean, I, I, got, I got one for you. Okay. If there's ever been a time to give this man uh, a title match, it's now. Give me Cesaro versus Strowman. Yes, please. And give I, me I Cesaro winning. I believe that. Because I believe everything that Cesaro can do in that squared circle against Strowman. Every feat of strength, he can pull that off, and it'll be a great match. Like, if if you can get uh, convince Sami Zayn uh, to come do a couple shows to kind of talk him up, things like that, and have the Artist Collective kind of go back to uh, – jumping Strowman again the same way they won the IC belt from him. Just play that whole angle. It's like, hey, we want to take this title from you too. You can easily build up Cesaro as a main event threat to Strowman. I I would do that for a month or two. Why not? I mean, that's easy money right there. Exactly. Because everybody knows what Cesaro is capable of, and they've just been keeping it locked away for so long. Like, we've literally seen Cesaro hit Big Show and Braun with the swing. So, why not? Exactly, man. The close calls in that match would just be, they'd be everything. It's that time of year. Why not? I take a chance on certain things. This is something you take a chance on and you don't look back. Exactly. Don't look back. Keep it moving. Let's not retread anything. Go all the way forward. And all that good jazz that they tell you, that they preach to you like a Messiah would. Give that Messiah speech like a Monday night Messiah to be exact. Which Monday night Messiah is challenging Drew McIntyre for the title. And you know, one thing that's been like right in my face um, that you cannot evade whatsoever that Seth Rollins really does look like Emilio Sparks. Well, no. Besides that, that's that's a given. But it's the <laughs> it's the it's the booking of Drew McIntyre. It's like no matter what happens, Drew McIntyre has pretty much ended every Monday Night Raw um, looking strong since Mania. Every single one. There hasn't been one. Even even if he gets attacked by somebody and is down temporarily he gets back up and just pretty much squashes whoever was there we saw it last week with buddy murphy um we saw it with seth rollins trying to attack drew from behind on monday this week it's like they are closing every show with mcintyre a head held high <laughs> riding off into the sunset so is that by design do we see that coming to a screeching halt and i mean Maybe they pulled the trigger on Seth too soon because, I mean, this feud kind of writes itself as um, Rollins trying to take over Monday Night Raw again and be champion. But it would be nicer if he had his complete uh, group of disciples on AOP as well. Um, so with that said, I know, we know, I know McIntyre is going to win this match, but when do they stop booking McIntyre so dominant? 
you know, I don't think they will for a while. Because the whole thing is he slayed the beast. That slayed the beast too. Yeah, and they had Seth looking strong when Seth beat Brock too, both times. Okay. One time he had Kane and J&J security. The other time he got stuck with Baron Corbin, but he still came out looking strong. Okay. So I think it's the whole, you beat Brock, we have to sell you as that much of a badass because people have made the argument that Brock Lesnar is the greatest combat sport athlete ever. Or one of the greatest just pure athletes ever in all the sports. I hear what you're saying. So it's like... You got to pay it off. It it wouldn't make sense for Drew to beat Brock, especially given how Drew beat him in a quick little squash spam fest, and then have him look bad the next three out of five nights on or weeks on Monday Night Raw, even if it is Seth Rollins. It's just like, come on, like you just squashed the beast, the man who ended the streak, the man who is a legit former UFC champion, former NCAA champion man who quit wrestling and went and played football and made a preseason roster after not playing football in forever. Like, you got to sell it. I feel that. So I don't know when they're going to make him stop looking this strong. I haven't really noticed it, though, until you said it. And I was like, huh, kind of got a point. Cause, oh, yeah, it's been, Murphy it's been staring on. me in the face, man. <laughs> Seth even laid him out after walking off and then dunked out of a Claymore. So, yeah, I see I see your point. Even the thing a couple weeks ago with um, where they, you kind of got the throwback Shawn Michaels with the title thing, and he was, took out Andrade, Theory, and Gang and chased them up the, up the ramp. It was like, come on, man. Like, I, I get it. Um, Drew is that dude. Um it's not a lot of guys that can mess with you right now. But it's like, whoa, it's kind of it was a little overdone. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see your perspective on that. Like, damn, can't nobody, no, <laughs> nobody ain't can't catch no no smoke just, with him right now. Just one person catch him slipping. Yeah, it's like, is it is it that bad to have one person, you know? Take him out temporarily till the following week. In this current moment, yes, yes, it is. Been interesting. It's been interesting to see. Um, and it's the and you know what? There's there is an elephant in the room because they're running this set this feud with Seth, and this feud can have some legs for a while, and. I guess the elephant in the room is his former running mate that he will eventually face. Oh, I know God. you don't want to hear this. I know you don't. And this isn't even one of those times where I try to weasel this in, but it is a given that he is going to face Jinder Mahal at some point. Um, and it just makes sense. I mean, Jinder Mahal is back on Raw. Um, your, your big, your top heel right now is Seth Rollins outside of um, Zelina Stable, who you you take none of those people serious as main event players right now. I think Andrade's so serious. You could, but they they already made him look like a punk against Drew 
multiple that's, times. That's one of those situational things where it doesn't hurt Andrade. Like Andrade could drop that U.S. title, slide right up, and you would legit believe that Andrade had a chance to beat Drew simply because he has Selena and uh, Theory and Garza running around with him. Possibly. But what I've noticed that since uh, Mahal came back um, uh, recently is that they're already using the right buzzwords with him. They're they're saying uh, former world heavyweight champion, and they're using that type of rhetoric when talking about his character. So it's very plausible to me that McIntyre wins, comes out, gives his speech, and I think the first person that's going to actually lay him out is going to be Mahal. <laughs> just to build that up and it's probably going it, it sounds funny as hell <laughs> but it's probably going to be Mahal to be the one to come out come in and give him a coloss and uh, tower over him and you're going to start that program for a month or so <sighs> alright so I see what you're saying I get it and I know I'm Mr. Long-Term Storytelling, built-in feud, so on and so forth. So I get it. I see it. But here's my problem. On the Raw roster, you are relatively heel-heavy in the main event picture, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why wouldn't you, after you run with Seth and Buddy for like two three months maybe give or take why wouldn't you go AJ yeah I can see that AJ definitely makes sense That's just my whole thing. Like, why not go AJ? Why not go AJ? Go to SummerSlam with AJ? Yeah, that can be a thing. And then maybe you go gender. Like, you go gender that September, October, other little quiet period. Sure. Because plus, gender just came back and before Jinder left, he wasn't really doing anything. Um, wasn't really doing anything when he had the first run. Yeah, but you pulled that trick once. <laughs> it's like you pulled the magic trick one time. Do you really want to try to pull it again? I mean, at least this time, it's like we don't expect him to, I guess, uh, win the title. Okay, so let's be honest real quick. Are you going to pop if Gender was to beat Drew, or were you going to be pissed like hell if Gender beats Drew? Interesting. Uh, That's the conundrum I guess we're in. Because, I mean, I think personally, I, I would pop because it's different. Um, and it adds some balance to the, to the world title scene. People can go back and forth. But I think most fans, it, it would actually 
it, it would actually uh, peeve them a little bit, would make them a little bit mad because it happened so so soon, if you would, into Drew's title reign. And that, but I think that's exactly what you want. You want people to hate the heel. You want people to hate the person who took down your hero. <sighs> I see it. I just, you know. I'm just not here for it. Like I let you, I let you and Sparks talk me into it about his run. I don't need a repeat. Like what's going to be different this time? Not going for it because every CM Punk reign was different. Every Triple H reign was relatively different enough. Every John Cena reign, yeah, kind of sort of different. Roman's reigns, yeah, they're different. Like, are they different? They're diff. They're just enough different. AJ's reigns have been just enough different. Like he's been a heel. He's been a faces champ. Every time he was a heel and he had multiple reigns, there was still something different. It's just like what other character does gender have? Because they tried that whole Shanti peace, love, and happiness shit, and that went nowhere. I don't think it was meant to go anywhere, but okay. And it's like, he doesn't have the Bollywood boys, so that's the only difference is what, he's going to have to stand on his own? And how long are we going to believe that? Especially if it's an angry Drew McIntyre coming after him. I think you got to play up the whole part about him uh, knowing Drew McIntyre better than everybody else from their time in 3MB and whatnot. Yeah, you can play that. All right. I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And honestly, I'd rather see Lashley first. Like, you got to treat gender like you're treating Lashley right now. Yeah, Lashley deserves to get a, a title. Not, not a title. Well, I want to say he doesn't deserve to get a title reign, but... A shot at the title? Sure, because it's believable. But the way McIntyre's squashing guys right now, it's like, wow. Hmm. Yeah, so we both have Drew. This should be a good match, though. Yeah, Seth's going to do a good job of putting him over for sure. Highly entertaining. Seth is going to go for a stomp. Drew's going to slide out of the way, hit him with a Glasgow kiss. And then we get that three, two, one, Claymore. Because we know you love it so much. And then that's it. One, two, three. We all go home. Yeah, I hate the Claymore countdown, but (laughs) it is what it is. And then we get into the most interesting match, our matches of the night, where you have the men and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches taking place in Titan Towers. And not only are they taking place at Titan Towers, starting on the base floor, fighting all the way up until the roof, where there's a ring and the briefcase and ladders, you have both matches going simultaneously. 
was has the potential to be like really cool or really bad. Yeah, this is going to be either really, really good or it's going to be a train wreck that you can't look away from. Sometimes we like train wrecks. Sometimes they're, that's actually a good thing. Yeah, but you ever seen a train wreck and you're just like, mm, ooh. Like even for me, it's like, ooh. Like you scratch that train wreck itch, but it's just like, oh man, I wish I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. It's definitely gonna be one of those things where it's like, uh This is an idea. So I'll leave it at that. This is an idea and we're gonna see it come to fruition on on Sunday at Money in the Bank. Yeah, I mean, this is a quarantine byproduct. We said that maybe you should switch things up, do something different. Boom, here we go. So we can't complain about that. Switch it up, doing something different. And for the women's side, you have from representing SmackDown, Dana Brooke. Don't know what hole they pulled out her out of. You have Carmella. Also don't know what hole they pulled her out of. And you have everybody's favorite Southern Belle, Lacey Evans. Yeah. Going up against the um, Monstars, basically, because the Raw side is just like, they're gonna kill you. Asuka, Shayna Baszler, and a returning Nia Jax, who they have painted and pushed like a monster that they haven't pushed her like in a while. So we can just eliminate the three from SmackDown, right? Like, there's no way in hell any three of those women win, despite them being blonde and despite Vince loving blondes. No way, right? You know what? Um, we know Car- Carmella's technically won Money in the Bank twice. However, when you look at the character shift she's in, I was actually uh, surprised she went over Mandy Rose to uh, be in this match. So I'll eliminate Carmella. Um, I can totally see a way Lacey wins just because they are definitely forcing the issue there. Um, Dana Brooke is an interesting dark horse just because if she wins, I mean, she's been the ultimate underdog. She's been really reinventing herself in the ring. If they want to make somebody a star, just like we had our argument with Otis on NXT Believe podcast earlier this week, I think it's Dana Brooke that you do that with. But just like we're eliminating the SmackDown stars, um, I also think we can eliminate Asuka. I think um, for whatever time we're in right now, they've kind of taken the uh, – Asuka's been the quarantine MVP. She's the most entertaining character on any show every single week. But they've definitely taken some of that edge off of her from being the killer that she was, and they've made her more like a, a comedy stick, if you would. So I think the women's money in the bank comes down to Shannon Baszler versus Nia Jax. It's who's going to win. And when I look at these two, we saw what Shannon Baszler did in the elimination chamber, eliminating everybody. And if you want to push somebody to the top, Shannon Baszler already had her moment against Becky Lynch. Um, but I think that extra added element of surprise to be able to take out Becky when she's most vulnerable, I think that's a safe way to end the Becky hype train and get the belt off of her. So the ladder's going to be on top of the roof. Yeah. Have you and, not seen the um 
the uh the little leak photo from it from a couple weeks ago? I, I have not seen a leak photo yet. Um, uh, let me find it and send it to you real quick. I just don't see how you know if we're gonna if we're picking now, I don't see how Baszler does it win the match. And I think they make they're making Nia Jax look dominant and strong so she can eliminate the field. I think that's why they're doing it. It's just so Nia can actually take out the field and hell she might take out some of the men's field too <laughs> that's kind of what i'm banking on like, but um i'm looking at the women i i see what you're saying by they've made oscar like a comedy stick however if you watch her in ring she's just as deadly as ever if not more deadly despite going like 10 minutes too long with Liv morgan she's been a killer like she's gotten that edge back if honestly if anything and like the week before on Raw where they were set to have a triple threat that never got started, she was uh, getting busy. I yeah, I just, it's just the Oscar with the edge. I would hope so, but it's like there hasn't been any type of run. Like the Oscar that we that we know and love from coming up from NXT with the undefeated streak and all that, that, I mean, Charlotte Flair has killed that, unfortunately. And then now Becky Lynch has killed it. So after – Losing to twice to Becky this year alone, I believe. Um, I just don't see how um, you can put the briefcase on Oscar. Well, like I said on Believe in NXT earlier this week, you have a year. You can rehab or fix any issues in a year. You like you don't have to do a same night cash in. This is true. So. Like, I could make the case for Dana Brooke. I could make the case for Lacey Evans. I could make the case for Carmella. Ain't no chance in hell of them winning. But if you tell me you're putting a briefcase on Dana Brooke and you got a year to get her believable, sure. I can see her as a threat by Royal Rumble if you do it right. Yeah. So, it's there. I see it. But my money... I don't want to agree with you, but yeah, I'm going to go Shayna. Just because the problem is if you put it on Nia Jax, it becomes who beats Nia Jax. It's kind of like putting the title on The Fiend or Braun to a lesser extent. It's like you have a monster heel who is significantly bigger than 90% of the roster. Which isn't yeah. a shot at Nia. Like it's not me trying to body shame or anything of that nature. It's just Nia Jax is part of the Samoan dynasty. She's cousins with the Rock and the Usos. She is like the Rock's second cousin, if I'm not mistaken, or first. So Tamina, Nia, they're like legit part of that Samoan bloodline and they look like a Samoan woman are a Pacific Islander, however you want to classify them, where you can clearly tell they're not your typical average American male. Or, I'm sorry, female, woman. So like everybody else in this match, tiny and blonde, with the exception of Oscar, who's Japanese, and then you have Shayna Baszler, who is a legit MMA fighter who could probably whoop everybody's ass in that if it came down to it, like a real-life scenario, she could... Yeah, she will whoop everybody's ass. So... It's like she's the only credible threat to Nia. Because it's like Becky Lynch, it's like, come on. Like, you really want to run Becky back against Nia's champ? 
like the only way you get out of it is if you put the money on the bank on somebody like Alexa Bliss, like you did a couple years ago, where you have Alexa come in, interrupt a match between Ronda and Nia, and steal it like that. Like that's the only way you could take the title off of Nia Jax. Right. So, just to avoid that scenario, you get Oscar and you get Shayna. I see what you're saying. If you want to put an end to the run of Becky Mania, but you don't want to weaken Becky that much, yeah, you have Shayna catch, let's say Becky. Well, Becky doesn't have a challenger right now. So let's just say they put Liv Morgan in that spot, or Natty, because I don't want them to throw Oscar in that spot. But let's say Becky retains her title over somebody. It's a little tired. Next thing you know, here comes Shayna from behind. Night, night. New champ. So, yeah, I get it. It protects Becky. Makes Shayna be that heel. Yeah, sure. All right, Shayna Baszler wins. It also gives you a whole Ronda Rousey angle if Ronda wants to come back. So, yeah, Shayna Baszler. Yeah, I think it has to be Baszler. Um, I can see – uh, Naya as well being one to take the belt off. The thing about beating Naya is, I mean, it's believable for Asuka or Shayna because you can submit her, right? And I and I can see that being a thing. And even um, once Natty. they get to it, Bianca Belair, um, yeah, taking on Nia Jax. As far as Becky not having any challengers, I don't think Naya needs the briefcase at all, just because you can run that whole angle back with, "Hey, I broke your face." Um, that that just sells itself right there without the briefcase. Oh, 100%. You're absolutely right. I actually forgot about that. Because like she's she the one that gave Becky this whole folklore of being the man. Yes, yeah, so say she could literally walk up and be like, I broke your face. I created all this. I made you hot. You made it a hot line. I made it a hot song. Like, so yeah, there's that. Easy, right there. Shayna's my pick. But while this match is going on, we also have the men's match going on at the same damn time. And on the SmackDown side of things, we have King Corbin, Daniel Bryan, and your favorite, Otis. Representing Raw, we have Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, and Mr. Soccer Mom Haircut himself, the phenomenal AJ Styles. Sans the club because the club got released. And if the club was still here, I put my money on AJ. That's just me. Like, this just screams and it's like set up perfectly for shenanigans. And I don't know if when they shot this, they had AJ win it. And they had the club interfere. So that might still be a possibility because allegedly this match was taped a couple weeks ago, Mm. right before the releases. So it may be a possibility. Looking at things currently, I know I made the argument for Otis that because Money in the Bank is set to build future stars, you have a year. You can turn Otis into a title contender in a year. He's already had a WrestleMania moment. He's in a major feud angle on SmackDown. He takes like three segments a week. 
I don't see Otis climbing a ladder. I'll watch it because it's going to be entertaining and I can't wait to see somebody throw Otis off a ladder. But mm, Aleister Black, like we all said, even Andreas touched on this, this man ain't carrying no briefcase around. Like, it just makes too much sense for him to win. And then the briefcase, Daniel Bryan, nah, he's on this. I'm putting everybody over tour. It looks like he was going to have an IC title run or at least get Drew Gallick to an IC title run. Uh, damn it, Baron Corbin. It's either Corbin or Styles, and I hope it's Styles. Okay. I think um, I think everybody's putting their money on Styles now since he just made his return on Monday night, and hopefully this leads to like some type of push or uh, anger run for Apollo Crews, and he comes back. Uh, it's interesting for AJ Styles to get the briefcase because I think he's it'll be his first time having um, an accolade like this because he hasn't won a Royal Rumble yet either. This would be cool because you can actually boost the programming right back up to where it's supposed to be viewership-wise with a guy like Styles. But everything you just said, I, I know you gave your diatribe on Otis on Believe in NXT earlier this week. Not buying it. Not saying Otis is going to win. I know they want to push Rey Mysterio one last time, give him one, one last elite run. Don't think that time is now. Daniel Bryan was just champion um, last year. year. Yeah, a year ago. Yeah, year ago. Um, and now he's he's doing what he wants to do. He loves wrestling, but he being in the main event spot doesn't make or break Daniel Bryan. He's enjoying working with people he wants to work with, which leads me to – I think it comes down to Corbin and Black. Now, I know we talked a lot about Aleister Black not needing to carry around a briefcase, and I'm not saying – he. you know what, I'm going to walk that back. Maybe he doesn't need to carry it around. Maybe he just sits in his little office and does promos about uh, four was people knocking on his door about him just being the one who knocks. And when he knocks on that door, you better be ready now because he has a case and he can become champion wherever you want. I can totally see that happening. I think everybody's um, – I think everybody in their hearts wants Aleister Black to win the briefcase. But we know that's not always the case. And just like it, it, I didn't see Corbin winning a King in the Ring, but it made so much damn sense that he won King in the Ring. And if he had a briefcase for a year, and he was he wasn't nearly as annoying when he had the briefcase the first run, and he's undoubtedly the biggest heel in the company. This would piss everybody off if you had segments with Corbin hovering this briefcase around for the next year. <laughs> and it makes so much damn sense to do it because he's kind of earned his due. He has a protected finisher. Uh, he's good in the ring, good on the mic. And whenever we get live audiences back, he actually has that nuclear heat. And the briefcase is just going to elevate that even more just because we don't really care about King of the Ring anymore as, as fans. Um, so I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to – I think – Corbin is going to win the briefcase and be in that, that echelon of people that have won the briefcase twice. He, they even teed it up with his promo against Daniel Bryan when he said you had this opportunity and you squandered it. You did nothing with it. And I think this will be his chance to actually do something with it. And that means that I, maybe he cashes in on a Roman next year 
Oh God, no. it'll be nope, 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 nope. I'm stop you right there. No. Let me finish. Let me finish. Maybe cash it on a Roman just because um, it, it'll it'll throw it back to that feud. But I even I I even think that he can be the guy to eventually take the belt off McIntyre in a believable way. If he were to cash in on McIntyre, I can totally see that. Another big man um, who just had a leg up on the guy at the right time. So my heart says black, but my gut is thinking Corbin. So I'm rolling with my gut. I think Corbin's going to come out of here with the case. All right. So I'm watching the network has a Money in the Bank um, special, like the best Money in the Bank ladder matches. And I've seen Corbin in like two of these so far. Including one and one, and then I think one from two years ago or last year. So, and you sitting there talking about Corbin winning and everything, and it reminded me that's right, you had this once before, and how all the heat and everything. I was like, yeah, and then I was like, been there, done that, bought that t shirt, don't want it again. <sighs> but it's just, no, and then you say Roman because eventually. If things get back to some uh, some state of normal by the end of the year, we all know Roman's going to be Universal Champ again. I don't need Corbin versus Roman for the eighty millionth time. Like this is more played out than Peter Griffin and the Chicken from Family Guy. Just no, nobody wants to see it. It does nothing for either man even if you have a different spin on it with Corbin stealing the title it's just no just no nobody likes it no go away go home go home Roger no I don't want it and you mentioned Ray they want to give Ray one last run they should have gave Ray the dub over Brock if you want to give Ray one last run you should have did it at Survivor Series you could have let Ray carry to the Rumble and get nerfed by Brock at the Rumble. But neither here nor there, when you explained Alistair Black sitting in his little dark corner, makes all the sense in the world. I'm changing my pick, Alistair Black. Because he ain't got to carry it around then. He can just sit in his little dark corner and just kind of brood over everybody. Yeah, I can see that as well. Just the backstage promos. Uh, just just hovering over everybody, um, the fact that he has the briefcase. But just know, if that boy Otis, if Blue Collar Strong, manages to climb up a ladder and walk out with that briefcase, oh, I'm a laugh. And there's, the there's literally no way. You say that now. And also, it's not like Otis has to keep the briefcase because as we've seen in the past, people have won the briefcase and then lost it. So if you want to pull a little swerve on somebody, let Otis win. Let Otis hold it for about three, four months. Maybe tease the cash in. And then you swerve us. I wouldn't be opposed to it. So you got black... And Baszler, I got Baszler and Corbin. Yep. And you know what else I have? I have Nia Jax putting Daniel Bryan through a table. Wow. Uh, you just going to disrespect Daniel Bryan like that? It's the only person that I feel like would actually 
you, Rey you know, Mysterio? Right. I was going to say, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Rey Mysterio's getting messed up by Nia Jax. Calling it. Say, Rey Mysterio is right here for the taking. Um, they keep they keep teasing that somebody is getting thrown off the roof like Big Show back in WCW. So I, I think the safe bet is Rey Mysterio there as well. Oscar's probably going to cold cock Corbin because I can see them like trying to get to an elevator or stairwell or something and Corbin saying something smart. Oscar claps back in Japanese and then missed them or drops them. Like, These are things that are going to happen. There's going to be shenanigans at comedy spots in this match between these six and these 12 individuals. I can see Carmella trying to seduce Otis. It, we, it should be entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be some spots that make you laugh. Um, may, maybe some, some dangerous spots, some table spots, of course. And, and like I said, there's going to be a big roof spot where somebody is taking an L and you won't see them for the rest of the match. Oh, if you um, don't throw Rey Mysterio off the top of the roof, I'm going to be highly upset. Now that you mention it. like I It sucks. That. It has to be Ray Ray, but it's going to be Ray Ray. You remember when they lawn darted Ray into the side of the truck? That was Kevin, Kevin Nash. Nash. Yep. yep. Just like that, but off the roof. 100% going to happen. Like, let it be Corbin, because I feel like Corbin will throw Ray off the roof and say some slick, back to Mexico, you go type shit. Uh, that's too deep. I don't think he can say that. You Come on. This is Corbin. That is right up Corbin's Hill Alley. He'll say something like that. It might not be that exact line, but it'll be something in that ballpark. Hmm, maybe. I can see it. All right, so quick sidebar. I'm watching last year's Money in the Bank ladder match, and I'm sitting here looking at this, and I'm like, I don't remember any of these men winning. Mustafa Ali's on top of the ladder is about to grab the briefcase, and then Brock's music hit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I forgot that Brock literally sprinted to the ring, shoved the ladder out, and nerfed, like, three cameramen. Yep. And then just tossed Ali, like, bye-bye. And then looked at the ladder and was like, oh, I got to climb this? That happened. I'm actually not as mad at it now, a year later. It was just one of those things where it was more shocking than anything. It's like, wow, that – like, why do we have the match? <laughs> like, all that happened for you to do that? Also, Brock's face – like, people say Brock Lesnar doesn't really come to work or sell – Brock's face is great in everything he does. Like I think people's, people's uh, issue with Brock is just the oversaturation with the same with him being on top of the mountain. Well, he's a legit badass. He sells. He draws. I mean, it's the Hulk Hogan, John Cena syndrome. Yep, exactly what it is. Like Brock sitting on top of that ladder with all that carnage around and just laughing, holding the briefcase, priceless. It's one of those things you definitely don't forget. That was smug ass Paul Heyman right next to him. So perfect. So, so perfect. But yeah, 
I think this has been a good solid wrap up. Just to recap things through here. Men's Money in the Bank. I have Alistair. You have King Corbin. The women, we both have Shayna. Then you got Braun against Bray. We both have Strowman retaining. Drew against Seth. I mean, Amelia Sparks. No, I'm sorry. That is Seth Rollins. Uh, <clears throat> Drew wins. Bailey against Tamina. You got Tamina. I got Karen. I mean, Bailey. Wow. Then, then you got the SmackDown tag titles. I have the Forgotten Sons who, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sticking with it. I said it. I'm going to stick with it. That's, whoo, that is an egregious pick, but okay. All right. So when I come on next week and I go check, check, check all the way down, okay. And you have the New Day retaining. And then we assume that the pre show match will either be Lashley squashing somebody, maybe a Liv Morgan match, but likely the Raw Tag Team titles. And we both have the Street Profits retaining and finally getting that elusive win. Mm hmm. You calling Bailey is the equivalent of me calling Candice LeRae Kelly Kelly, by the way. It's just, it's, it's uncalled for. Is it? It's actually worse, by the way. In a roundabout way. Definitely. Definitely worse. Yeah. Roundabout way, but okay. All right, you say so. I'll, I'll stop. So when she gets rid of the haircut, I'll stop calling her Karen. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a wrap for the haircut, man. Speaking it's of side, haircuts, side ponytailing coming back for a while. She could just get rid of the little bob swoosh. But speaking of haircuts, I just saw a clip of Corbin with hair. My God, he looked atrocious with hair. Yeah, bald. He had that bald long, spot. The bald yeah. and long, long hair. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, yeah he's like Kurt Angle. You, you know, you're just better with a bald head. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. But we did what we came here to do today, and that was preview Money in the Bank for you, give you a little extra content this week because we're feeling generous. We'll be back at you Saturday morning with that audio dope recapping this past week's NXT. Something tells me we're going to be upset about the Io Shirai match and probably Velveteen Dream as well. But that'll be Saturday morning. You'll get all those thoughts. And of course, we'll come back next week. We might have an interview for you guys. We'll definitely have a preview. We'll briefly touch on Money in the Bank. We'll have a couple sidebars, might have a Nas discussion, might talk about Chelsea Green. We might even find a way to bring Mojo Raleigh back from the dead. You never know. Never know. Believe in the NXT podcast. You come for the NXT talk. You stay for everything else. We appreciate you like always. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at underscore Jadella. Said is at said underscore says C-E-W-D underscore S-A-Y-S. Last but not least, kind folks over at Believe. At Believe Podcast, B L E A V is how you spell Believe. And again, if you haven't checked out the Emilio Sparks episodes, are they Andreas Hill? Go check those out. Tell a friend, tell a friend, share, tweet, let us know. We talk to you. We want all the smoke. So if you got a podcast, you're looking for guests, hey guys, we're available. Just let us know. If you can't get one of us, if you can't get both of us, one of us will show up. I trust my tag team partner. Yeah, we'll always be around, man. Don't forget to hit us on social media. Let's argue. That's what we live for. Saw somebody chiming in just a little while ago on Twitter talking about our Keith Lee take uh, from the Andres Hale podcast. And yeah, we, we like interacting with you guys. So make sure you guys link up with us, tap in with us every single week. Yep. So until Saturday morning, I'm Jacob. That said, we're out of here.
The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.